Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed. In today's top stories, volunteers are needed for the final round of testing on the St. Croix Potable Water Distribution System. The Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs is issuing a warning to those trying to operate without the proper business license. Lawmakers vote in favor to ensure the land swap of St. John's Whistling Key. These stories and more on today's WTJX Newsfeed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX Newsfeed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX Newsfeed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. Following the EPA's results citing lower levels of lead and copper in the potable water distribution system on St. Croix, Governor Albert Bryan Jr. provided the community further updates as the administration continues its efforts to address water quality safety. We knew from the beginning that we really didn't have lead pipes in the system, but we still want to make sure that everyone remains safe. So DPA and WAPA have already begun their plan to test samples from 100 sites, 20 of which they have already identified. However, WAPA and DPNR, they need your help. So they need to find another 80 or so homes in order to uh, have places to sample. So here's a free chance to get your water sample. No, if you have a system, we can't sample it. Just if you're on portable water, you're using the WAPA system. We need you to do what, uh, just call in to WAPA and make sure you get, uh, make sure you volunteer to say, I want my home tested, I want to be on one of those. So if you're one of those affected areas, especially, you can make a call into WAPA and they want that. Governor Bryan also mentioned vetoing a bill sponsored by Senator Ama Francis Heiliger that intended to require testing of water systems, lead and copper content at least once a year. The legislation said everywhere, that means everybody who had a cistern would have to have uh, this legislation, uh, would have to abide by this legislation and get the testing. So we're encouraging the senators to look back at that legislation, define what you mean by private water system. Does that mean a hotel or does that mean everybody who lives on the island to test the water? But I encourage you, if you're on a cistern water, to get your cistern water tested as well. At yesterday's legislative session, Senator Heiliger moved to have the governor's veto overridden. Basically, what our current law says, that any public water system is defined as any property that has eight connections, water, or serves more than 20 persons, that they have to do testing. That's all we wanted. Testing is on an average of $50 to $200. That was a small price, in my opinion, to make sure our people are protected. The motion failed to capture the needed 10 votes by lawmakers, with 9 yeas, 3 nays, and 3 not voting. Department of Licensing and Consumer Affairs, in their efforts, as they say, to educate before they regulate, issued a warning to individuals or entities operating or intending to operate a business to obtain the proper licensure to do so. We spoke with Commissioner-designee Natalie Hodge, who shared the upcoming festival season was the impetus for the warning. Especially around the Christmas time or any other events, um, festival, yeah, we just see a lot of pop-ups, especially when people come home and they're visiting and, you know, they want to do pop-up, whether they're, they're doing lashes or whether they're doing 
body contouring, they're doing a lot of pop-ups, whether they're selling goods and they just don't come in to obtain the proper license. So we're trying to clamp down on that. Any unlicensed business could receive a citation not to exceed $500 or face imprisonment not to exceed 30 days or a combination of the two. Wanting to see business flourish, Ms. Hodge encouraged those wanting to operate to get the proper documentation. A vendor's license you can get within a week, especially if you turn in all the documents, the supporting documents, you could get within three to five days within a week. But a citation license or anything that has to go before the board, the board meets once a month. So yeah, one would have to do the research and try and get the application in timely so they can then get approved. For more information, visit dlca.vi.gov. St. Croix Police Chief Sean Santos is issuing a stark warning to those who endanger public safety by engaging in what they may call celebratory New Year's Day gunfire. We will be having um, patrol officers uh, out at night to ensure that if we do catch somebody and the celebratory gunfire, you will be arrested. Um, and I would even add this caveat that um, even if you leave shell casings behind, we're going to pick them up and hopefully do a trace and you will be arrested as well. I move to override the governor's video of bill number 35.0014 and act posthumously honoring and commending Wayne Fox Adams. The legislature unanimously and enthusiastically overrode the governor's veto of a bill naming the bridge at the Nada intersection on St. Thomas in honor of Wayne Faxman Adams. In his veto message, Governor Bryant challenged the appropriateness of naming a bridge in Adams' honor, stating that the naming of roads, buildings, and bridges has typically been reserved for notable elected officials and renowned public servants. The bill's sponsor, Senator Alma Francis Heiliger, characterized the governor's veto message as elitist. While appearing on WTJX TV's Comes with the Territory, radio talk show host Terry Thomas detailed that the naming of the bridge came from the community level. The impetus for this naming of the Nahara Bridge started at the grassroots level, mm -hmm. right? A community of people felt after Wayne passed that given his involvement in social activism and other things in the community, action should be taken. And that was one of the spots he used to catch his rights from right. once in a while. Too, and so. so I actually know the gentleman who created the sign that's up on the bridge. I don't know uh -huh. if it's still there. Uh -huh. That started, and then it's my understanding that a petition went around and, you know, several hundred, maybe a thousand or so people signed it, and it went to the legislature. Mr. Thomas also listed some of Mr. Adams' accomplishments. Material that Wayne created through a company he created called the Historic Institute is being used in the public schools to teach Virgin Islands history. We don't know that because you don't hear it being mentioned, but educators will tell you that. Some of the research materials that he did are available at the UVR library. One of the most prominent things that Wayne did, not just for us here in the territory, but for the wider Caribbean, was he almost single-handedly led the fight against France shipping nuclear waste to Japan through the Caribbean Basin, right? Wayne went before the United Nations, a lot of people don't know this, to make the case, and then other people signed on with him. Mr. Adams was a beloved member of the Virgin Islands community who passed away in 2020 due to complications from COVID-19. Back in November, VIGL horse racing general manager Jason Williams said that groundbreaking to start the rebuild of the Randall Doc James racetrack would happen on December 14th. 
In a statement shared with the WTJX newsfeed, Mr. Williams stated that due to a recent scheduling conflicts that have developed and some paperwork still being finalized, they were forced to postpone the groundbreaking ceremony until the holiday season is over. He continued that it is likely work will begin shortly and the ceremony will take place sometime later. We got reaction to that update from Elroy Bates Jr., the president of the Flamboyant Park Horsemen Association. Well, we are, we are very disappointed because we're waiting for what, seven years for this restructuring to start now. But we're not just disappointed with VIGL, we're also disappointed with the uh, Casino Commission because we were told everything was in line with VIGL to go ahead. But they're stating they're not doing any favors for VIGL to grant them their Racino license. We think this is a major project in St. Croix that generates a lot of revenue for the island. And if everything is in line for them to be granted their Racino license, we don't see why you're not doing nothing illegal, you know. But we are very disappointed in it and hopefully something will come in the near future. Regarding Mr. Bates' comments about the Casino Control Commission, we reached out to its chairman and CEO, Marvin Pickering, who stated that the commission must vet every applicant and that they are doing everything humanly possible to expedite the process, but they're letting that process play out. You're listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. The final piece needed to effectuate the land swap between the local government and the National Park Service was approved by the legislature. For the second time in as many legislative sessions, Senator-at-Large Angel Bocas Jr. justified the need for the proposed amendment. It is uh, important to clarify that this amendment in question is primarily influenced by what would be the insurance titling company. The current language of the, bo of the, of the bill poses a challenge in obtaining insurance for Whistling Key. This is because it implies that, implies that water rights that have been historically and still do belong to the Department of Interior's National Park Service are not under the territorial jurisdiction of the Virgin Islands government. This language is to clarify that the government of the Virgin Islands may swap the land in order for the deal to go through so that the titling company can get the insurance for Westland Key. Senator Bulk has indicated that failure to pass the amendment will impact the K-12 school project on St. John. It stands as a pivotal element in a $200 million fully funded development, which is ready to proceed, but is currently being hindered by this stipulation. Without resolving this issue, the project cannot move forward as planned by the GVI. Despite procedural wrangling by Senator Gittins and Francis Heiliger, the amendment was passed 9-5. to five. Earlier in the week, we reported on the arrest of Justin Nisbet, the fifth man wanted in connection to the April 19, 2021 homicide of Michael Ramos and Juan Velasquez. We spoke with Tamara Ramos, the wife of Michael, who was only 33 years of age when he was killed, who says the arrest brought her back to that April 19th evening. I had mixed emotions due to the fact that the first time when they had the first arrest, it was kind of like exciting kind of thing. But this time around, it was kind of like, it hit me because this was the last missing piece to the court case. So it just like was a bit shocking and a little like real, like it came back, all the emotions that I felt in 2021 came back 
but at the same time, I was just kind of relieved and just waiting now to see what happens next. Tamara and Michael were together for nine years and had only been married for two before his death. They had recently moved back to St. Croix in 2020 after living in Texas for a number of years. He had a heart of gold, and if somebody needed him, he was always there for them. He would give them his last, and he was so sweet. And despite what people may say, they really genuinely didn't know him the way I did. And I just want people to remember him for all the good things that he's done and the fact that he accepted my son as his own from the age of two. So just know that he was a kind and loving husband and father. While gun violence seems to affect many Virgin Islanders in some way, she stated she doesn't want those still awaiting answers to give up hope. I just don't want like the families, the grieving widows, girlfriends, mothers, fathers, and so on. I just want them to never give up hope. You know, the VIPD work super hard, even though they're super short staff, but don't lose faith. And to always remember that, you know, don't let the memory of the person you lost die and keep their name going so that the VIPD and the community would know like, hey, this case is still open and we still want justice. And just for them to preach, if you see something, say something, it's super important for people to actually do that. For anyone with information on cases in the territory, you're encouraged to contact Crime Stoppers USVI at 1-800-222-8477. Residents and visitors preparing to attend the Cruising Christmas Festival Village should be aware of changes to traffic patterns in the streets of the Fredericksted Town area. Police Chief Sean Santos has that update. Our traffic restrictions down in the Fredericksted Town area will go as far as from King Street, Queen Street, and Prince Street. We will be taking these streets, and our plans as we go forward is to have Queen Street and, I'm sorry, King Street and Prince Street as a one-way street. We will have officers at key traffic locations to aid our motoring public and pedestrian traffic into the area safely as they go out to enjoy themselves within the Fredericksted Town area. The Virgin Islands Port Authority and the Army Corps of Engineers will hold a joint public meeting to discuss a feasibility study regarding the Schooner Bay Channel in the Christiansted Harbor. The meeting will be held at 6 p.m. on January 9th in the Henry Rolson Airport Terminal Cruise Lounge on St. Croix. The Port Authority wants to dredge the Schooner Bay Channel to provide berthing for mini cruise ships, passenger ferries, and luxury vessels to Christiansted. The Army Corps of Engineers is now leading the project, and Port Authority has signed a feasibility cost-share agreement with the Army Corps for the project. Senators Ray Fonseca and Senator Diane Capehart, along with the Department of Health Deputy Commissioner Renan Steele, recently toured facilities that house 34 of the territory's behavioral health patients in the state of Florida. Senator Fonseca conveyed that they met with support staff and leadership to discuss the welfare of those residents being housed and the financial relationship between the facilities and the government of the Virgin Islands. We need to act with a sense of urgency to begin discussions with the Commissioner of Health and Human Services to establish a safe, decent, public-private partnership so we can have a behavioral health facility 
such as those in the Virgin Islands. You know, because even though those facilities um, are doing well and our patients are being well cared for, it costs a lot of money. It's about $16,000 per month per patient. While the senators visited with patients, they all expressed their desire to be closer to relatives, especially during the holidays. Some of them cried and, you know, they missed the salt fish and the Johnny cake and stuff. And of course, you know, the other thing is, is the families don't visit them because of the financial constraints. So um, we need to be able to make a dent to bring our behavioral health um, you know, residents back home, those that we can care for, you know, those that are in a behavioral health hospitals, you know, that is a stretch for now. But those that are in a step-down facility, I think we need to make uh, that a sense of urgency. Senator Fonseca disclosed the Committee on Health, Hospitals, and Human Services will meet on January 26th to discuss the next steps in making that goal a reality. You're listening to the WTJX Newsfeed. Lawmakers voted favorably on a resolution sponsored by Senate President Noble Francis, honoring and commending Lieutenant Colonel Liel Gerard Galabier for his leadership in the Virgin Islands National Guard. Galabier's military service lasted 21 years, and he retired from active duty as a lieutenant colonel in March of 1979. He also served two combat tours of duty in Vietnam, where he was awarded the Bronze Star with an Oak Leaf Cluster and the Republic of Vietnam Armed Forces Honor Medal. His nephew, Lieutenant Colonel Dante Galabier, delivered testimony in support of the measure, stating that as the footsteps of time march on, it is important we continue to honor Virgin Islanders who have contributed positively to humanity. Uh, this summer we had the, the challenge to sort of comprise everything and for this presentation. And I was amazed at his memory, and he remembered almost everything. And uh, so he, he also did correct us on some of the things that we had, and, uh, but he was very detailed, and he's, he's definitely a leader. And he, he was able to find a document that is more than 50 years uh, old within minutes of, of me asking for it. And that was uh, his, um, his special orders for uh, acting adjutant general and also USPFO as well as the test control officer uh, for the Virgin Islands in 1973. Major General Kojo Knox Limbacher, Adjutant General for the Virgin Islands National Guard, testified that Galabier's actions cleared the path for federal recognition. He continued that Galabier and a small group of service members laid the cornerstone to create a legacy of service and excellence. In an exclusive interview with former Department of Tourism Commissioner, Ms. Beverly Nicholson Doty, we congratulated her on the Caribbean Media Exchange Leadership Award she recently received. I'm very humbled and I am very grateful. I'm grateful both personally and professionally to have an opportunity to have worked throughout my entire career in an industry that I absolutely love. I love tourism. I love the fact that it provides so many different aspects and so I'm, I'm just really humbled and grateful about having been recognized for being able to do something that I've enjoyed. In our interview, the dialogue shifted from personal achievements to the challenges not only faced by the Virgin Islands, but the entire Caribbean's tourism landscape. Coming out of COVID, we in the Caribbean fared much better than the 
rest of the world in terms of being able to come back online more quickly. I think that now that the rest of the world has reopened, we certainly have challenges in the region. Everything from air capacity to cost of airfare to global competition with more product available to the fact that the customer is now looking for new and different experiences and that we have to be mindful of what those experiences entail while being authentic to what we have to offer in the region, in in the Virgin Islands in particular. Ms. Doty articulated the need for the Virgin Islands to embrace the expansion of technology for sustainable tourism in the Caribbean. But we also have to be very concerned about sustainability. And so we have to be intentional in how we move forward with with planning and, and looking into you know, future generations. There's also the element of human capacity and building human capacity and being mindful of how technology is going to play a role in the future and making sure that we are trained in those areas so that the people of our region are are ready for those those jobs and then just also always being mindful of the role people like yourself play the media has such an incredible role in terms of telling our tourism story and being able to help craft not just the messaging of today, but the message of the future. As we continue in the news feed, we turn now to our regional report. The government of the UK and the British Overseas Territories have agreed to closer collaboration. The new joint declaration commits to a new, more collaborative and modern partnership based on what they call shared democratic values, and includes a commitment to practice the highest standards of governments to include areas of human rights, rule of law, integrity in public life, and financial management. The agreement also supports the overseas territories as they take on more responsibility alongside accountability should they wish to do so. Other commitments in the agreement include investigating improvements to how the United Kingdom provides financial support to the overseas territories and agreeing to speak with one voice on the international stage, such as the United Nations. We turn now to the territory's weather forecast. Here's the latest look at the short-term forecast for the Virgin Islands. I'm meteorologist Eric Wedlars. The high surf advisory continues. We'll find mostly sunny skies. There's the chance for a shower area-wide. Temperatures will reach the upper 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. We'll find a bit less warmth at St. Thomas and St. John. Highs only in the middle 80s. Winds from the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight features any scattered showers tapering off to mostly clear skies overnight. Slows fall back in the low 70s at St. Croix. Winds from the northeast at 5 to 10. At St. Thomas and St. John, similar story lows back in the low 70s. Winds increase in the northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. And Thursday features mostly sunny skies. There's the chance for a shower in the afternoon. Highs reach the middle to upper 80s at St. Croix. Winds from the northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. And at St. Thomas and St. John, we'll find more scattered showers in the afternoon. Highs in the middle 80s. Winds also from the northeast at 10 to 15 miles per hour. That's the latest look at the short-term forecast. I'm meteorologist Eric Weglars. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the WTJX app. 
If you missed a part of our news, you can listen to it on demand wherever you get your podcasts.